you're listening to Payments Innovation, a podcast dedicated to helping business leaders navigate today's global digital economy. Looking to learn about the latest innovations within fintech and payments? You've come to the right place. Let's get into the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Payments Innovation Podcast. This is your host, Kara Hayward with your fintech karaoke series focused on partnerships in the fintech ecosystem. I'm really excited today to have um, actually a friend (laughs) as well as a a longtime colleague in the partnerships world, Kara Parkey from MX. Thanks so much for joining, Kara. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thrilled to be here. Great. Um, Kara Parkey is the Director of Business Development for MX. Um, If we could just spend a few minutes, would you mind introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about what you do for MX? Yeah, absolutely. So thanks for the intro. Director of Business Development at MX. So on the partnerships team, we have a a pretty big partnership team. We've expanded it this year, but we work with probably 43 of the top 50 online banking providers. We have a pretty strong partnerships channel. Prior to that, I worked at a a fintech called Built Technologies and ran partnerships for for that company as well, but we had a much different model. So I've seen a broad broad spectrum of par- different partner programs and and how, you know, how they work with different companies. Oh, that's awesome. Thanks. And, and that's actually a lot of, about the topic we'll be talking about today, navigating partnerships in this crazy, fast growing, um, really complex space. And, and talk to you a little bit about the complexity of these. I think oftentimes, you know, partnerships can just sound like a really nice fuzzy term. (laughs) There's a lot that goes into it to really make partnerships successful, both from how you set up a partner org to how you actually interact and and set up your partnership. So I think setting the stage, one thing that comes up a lot in the industry is we kind of lack a unified term for what partnerships are. I think oftentimes we'll see, you know, I, I know a lot of sponsor banks call their fintechs partners, but Kind of to me, I'm like, well, that looks like actually a client relationship. They're paying for some services. Yeah, exactly. So how, how do you define a partnership in the ecosystem and, and what does it look like to you in MX? Yeah, that, it is a great question. I, it's so funny too, because at my previous company, you know, we have partnerships and you have referral partnerships, reseller partnerships, strategic alliances, which like no one knows what that means. Yeah. Like it's all like super vague. And then, yeah, I agree on the, on the banks calling vendors partners a lot, right. which is just so interesting. It gets complicated at MX as well. I'm not sure if everybody is familiar with MX, but we do, you know, we we power a lot of different tools and really are a data company. And so we have, you know, we work with banks, credit unions, and fintechs. And so there is kind of this overlap and it does get tricky sometimes with the fintech ecosystem because we have to do, you know, delineate, is this a direct sell that we're selling, you know, to this fintech or is it a fintech that we're partnering with? And I think it just has to do with, I mean, really that is, are we selling them a service or are we partnering with them? You know, are our products going to be partnered with their products to have a one plus one equals three situation where our go-to-market and our joint success is how the relationship is formed. So it's, we're still navigating it. Everybody is, but that's how we kind of define a partnership, right? Is it's, we are always, you know, integrated um, in some capacity. Uh, and you know, our product helps their product, uh, be better. And, and so the two of us kind of succeed in that relationship. That's how we define it. That's awesome. Yeah. I think that's a, I I like that definition a lot. I think we look at it very similar here at currency cloud, where are you, are you actually selling a service or are you kind of, um, locking arms and going into battle together uh, to service an end customer? That's awesome. So I just want to talk a little bit about navigating the partner landscape. Mm-hmm. So uh, when you think about, okay, I want to go seek out a new partner. 
what do you look for in a partner? What makes a good partner? Um, how do you go about finding new partners? And yeah. um, I think also I'll start there and then I have a few follow-up questions after that too. <laughs> totally. It's, it is interesting because again, like I mentioned, you know, my, my previous fintech company had a very different partner philosophy than, than MX where I am now. Both great, but just they're both different based on the product that you're selling. So this, this, I don't have like a one size fits all answer to that question, but I will say the ones that work the best. And like when we're, you typically know who you want to partner with. Like you typically know, you know, my product does this, it would work well with this product or this company. We need to form a relationship. So once that's set up, I think a lot of the new relationships and new partnerships that, that I've specifically worked on, I think having a partnerships team, I think it's really important not just team, it could, could be just an individual, but I mean, aligning with your partner philosophy very early on is just crucial. I think, I, you know, to, to have the transparent conversation early with the partner and say, look, like, you know, what, what, what does success look like for you? What's important to you? How much money do you need to make off this partnership? Are you losing money on this partnership? Is this a cap expense? Is it an op expense? Like understanding the landscape and really what makes, you know, this relationship successful to them and you guys aligning on that really early on, it just provides so much value down the road, you know, because you know, you know, exactly if, it, if it's not that valuable, um, don't spend all your time with that partner. You know, you just kind of originally get to set the stage for, you know, what success looks like for both partners. So I think having somebody that's focused on that, right. I think sometimes the harder partnerships, at least that I've experienced have been with companies that, you know, maybe you're just working with the CEO, no offense to CEO, but they're they're, they're busy and it's not their main job. And yeah. it's, diff, you know, it's difficult if, if, if you're just working with one person and it's not necessarily a built out, uh, somebody has a thesis around what they want out of a partnership. I'd say that's the key. That's the key. And first, number one on my list of uh, important things for a partnership is to have a point of contact that is, you know, running, understands partnerships. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't agree there more. <laughs> yeah, that, and that's hard, right? Because I think a lot of you know there are some established companies in this ecosystem, yep. in this space that have full partner teams that have different roles all filled totally. out. But then a lot of the startups, it's maybe they're you know one of their salespeople or their CEO, and so totally. trying to navigate that is always tough. But I agree that the more that you can have defined, the quicker to market, at least I think, and it helps with prioritization too. I'm sure. Yep. And so when you look at, because again, you have a well-built out uh, partner program, do you have a thesis around partnerships? And so for example, if you're looking at a certain product vertical or vertical of clients that you service, do you really look to seek out sort of a handful of partners that you could um, almost create almost like a marketplace with? Are you agnostic or do you really try to find one integrated partner per kind of vertical? How do, how do you guys think about that? I guess at MX as well as personally. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. And, and, you know, it's interesting. I was just talking about this with Don Parker, uh, my boss who, who really for, you know, MX is 10 years old now. And I mean, he has, I think it's been him and another person maybe for the first seven years that ran, ran partnerships and really built it to what it is today. Um, and now obviously we have a bigger team, but we were just talking about this because he showed me his original kind of philosophy doc for partnerships. And I mean, it started 10 years ago and there, you know, he has a philosophy document that basically outline the entire industry, total addressable market, players, you know, ecosystem, pros and cons to partnering with each. And I mean, it was very well built out. So I think one, on one hand, my answer is yes, we do have a philosophy and we iterate on that, right? Because I think every company goes through those phases where, you know, MX 10 years ago is not MX that it is today. And so 
partnerships might look different, contracts might look different. And so we, you know, we just recently, I think last year kind of redid our partner philosophy for what we're looking at at this point in time, where we are as a company, who do we want to work with? Who are we not working with? Um, And I think iterating on it is very important because things, you know, fundamentally the business doesn't change, but there are things that will change about how you partner based on, you know, where you are as a company. I didn't have that in my old company. And, and, you know, I was just kind of winging it. And I would say definitely now looking at having a partnership thesis and seeing that play out and really how uh, that aligns the entire team, company, org around a singular kind of focus for what you're doing. It, it really helps. I mean, it's so beneficial. I would encourage everybody to kind of write down your partnership thesis um, and, and socialize that internally. That's great. And actually, that, that's a great segue because one thing that I wanted to touch on a little bit is is how do you align your partner org internally? Because it's inevitable. I think you see it across all sorts of industries where, you, you know, I think there's a, and often it's, it's a joke between sales versus partnership. Yeah. And there's always some, you know, <laughs> uh, some thoughts on both sides about which ways things should go. But, but it's more than just that. Of course, there's like, it, it really truly partnerships does become cross-functional for compliance in certain cases in product and tech and all the way up to the exact level. Like, what do you do? You have any tips as to how to properly align your organization with your thesis? It sounds like you got to start with a thesis, obviously, yeah. it's a good place to start. But uh, any other thoughts around that? Totally. I think you know, and also this is an iterative process, and I'm not saying that MX has it all figured out. However, we have made a huge effort this year, specifically as the partnership team has grown, to really kind of evangelize what we're doing and and um, you know unite the teams, right? Because I know that that joke about sales and partnerships, you know, probably everybody can identify with that. It's it's not unique to your situation. But we, you know, we do a really good job. I think, you know, it's different during COVID too. I'm not sure how this would look when we were all in the office, but we do make it a point to um, educate the company often. And so, you know, whether that's whatever team meetings you're having, you know, we we have dedicated um, you know, spotlights on certain partners and you know, if it's a partnership that I manage, like I will give the, you know, 30 minute update. And, and, you know, there's, there's a woman on our team, Sue Dumbald, who runs our partner strategy. That's her title is VP partner strategy. And this year has rolled out a lot of content. So we've all documented, you know, our, our largest partners down to our smallest, having kind of like a one pager that says, this is the company, this is an overview. These are our contacts. This is how we work with them. This is the structure of the partnership. And here's how you need to engage with, Kara, you know, or whoever's running that, like, if you're talking to a bank that uses this provider, you need to engage, these are the questions you need to ask. This is, you need to involve Kara at this point, you know, just kind of like a cheat sheet. Um, I think that's like, that has been very successful. I think one of the biggest, you know, things that we've done that has worked well for the team, just because um, I'm sure you're aware, you know, it happens all the time. I feel like I I used to spend a lot more time, uh, you know, daily talking to salespeople about, you know, well, here's the partnership and here's why it looks like this. And so having like resources about the partnership has been super helpful. Also just education from like, you know, just live trainings on it, right? Like, the, you know, just telling people how we work with company X, Y, or Z. Um, and, and that's been a huge focus. So I would, you know, I don't know how to say, uh, you know, specifically to educate, but I, you know, I think it does start from the top down. I mean, if your execs, are aligned and supportive of what you're doing, which obviously ours is partnerships is a huge channel for us. They they make it a point to make sure that like 
we have the spotlight when we need it and that the the team is educated and training. I mean, onboarding training, we talk about partnerships just so everyone's kind of aware. Uh, but yeah, education internally is huge. And, and awesome. you know, the organization needs to support it because there there is so much, there is so much complexity with partnerships, as you mentioned, and especially in this industry, every, you know, you got to play nice and you got to play with everybody. And um, it's not just like a widget sale. And so, um, you know, education internally, I would say from the top down, like it's just huge. Absolutely. No, that, that's fantastic. And I think that I like that, right? Obviously there has to be the exact, align, exact alignment and there has to be that thesis, but that, that the continuing education, I think that's something that I think a lot of companies forget about is that, you know, when you're in, when you're in it as a partner manager, you, you know, exactly what's going on. Totally. But like, when the salesperson's out there, they need their lifeline to know even totally. how to pitch it properly. And so that's, that's yep. awesome. Um, and that, oh, yeah. Sorry, guys. I was going to say, like, FAQs, like, you know, the sales team, I, I think it really goes a long way. I think it's a little lift, like a light lift to create some content internally um, with the most frequently asked questions you get, put it in the Google folder and, you know, uh, everybody has access to it. I'd say that that's the biggest thing. That, Sometimes it's as simple as that, right? Yeah, <laughs> really, yeah. it's all rocket yeah. science, but not everyone does it, right? Yeah, it just, it's uh, huge. I think if you're, especially for these salespeople that are being, you know, hired during COVID and haven't, you know, it, it's tough. And I think onboarding in this industry, if you didn't come from this industry, it's also tough. I mean, think about all the names that you hear every bank works with, you know, however many technology providers. And so starting early and then iterating, you know, every time we have a contract renewal or something happens with the partner, you know, we, we make sure to update the documents and send it out maybe do it, maybe do a training, you know, or, or a spotlight in the sales events. But um, we, we try to stay on top of that as, as there are changes in the relationship. That's awesome. That's great. So focusing a little more outward now, um, let's talk about how to best activate a partner. So obviously, you know, you've touched a little bit on making sure that you have that transparent conversation up front. Like, what are we looking to get out of this? What do we both need to make? Um, but then actually, getting the partnership to work. Um, and so I think there's a couple of themes here. So one is incentives, right? How do we incentivize each other? Because I think that's one thing that people like, obviously partnerships are two ways, but I think you often think about, okay, how can I get the most leads from this partner? But they're also thinking the same thing about you too, right? Um, and so that's one piece of it. But I think also like that continuing ed with the, with the partner themselves, like how are you best highlighting what you do to your partner so they can go be an extension of your sales team. So I'd love to hear more about that outward facing view too. Totally. And and that's, you know, something again, I've, I've learned a lot, you know, in the past year at MX. And I think too, you know, we, we've grown so much in the past two years that I think we also as a company are, are rethinking and putting a lot of thought behind what we do here. And so a lot of these things that I'm going to talk about, like are pretty new but hugely important. I've already seen, you know, how much they've benefited the company and, and the partnerships. And I think one of them to get very specific is, you know, Sue, Sue, our VP of partner strategy has created this um, go to market alignment plan for partners. And so, like you mentioned, you know, having that transparent conversation up front, like, why do we want to partner? And, and it seems like a very simple thing, but I've got to say it because I've, you know, I've been on, I've entered into partnerships or strategic alliances in the past that don't do anything. You know, you have referral partners and you, you maybe get one referral every five years. I mean, you have to make sure, I think the key to making a successful partnership is that it's beneficial for both parties, right? Like one plus one has got to equal three or four or five, right? And so that's number one. Again, it seems simple, but that's how you're going to find the best partners is if your solution makes theirs better and vice versa. And so 
then from there, so you have that transparent conversation, maybe you're having that, you know, going through contracting, getting all that done. But as soon as, you know, we sign a contract pretty much immediately after, and we talk about this throughout, you know, we'll set up a meeting with, you know, somebody in the partnership team, me, um, you know, and, and our VP of strategy, and maybe, you know, our customer success, whoever's going to be involved with that partner at all, if it's a reseller referral, whoever's going to be involved, we'll kind of have a, an hour long meeting, we'll set up maybe as soon as we can. And we'll walk through an entire alignment plan. And I even pulled it up just because I, I wanted to think through it. But we, you go through, here's the MX overview. Here's company A's overview. Here's what we know about company B. Let's define our joint value proposition. So like a working session to say like, why is this valuable? Why is this partnership valuable? Why is what we're building valuable to the end user and the, you know, or the customer? And then again, kind of reiterating, like we entered into this and this is what we think success looks like for you. This is what success is for us, but like, let's define and write down, you know, our key business outcomes and like our success metrics while we're building this integration or, you know, there's, there's obviously a lot of parties that are involved in this, but um, I think those two have been huge. You know, we talked through key business outcomes, success metrics, joint value prop. I think it goes, it's, uh, you know, such a simple thing, but I think it's overlooked so much, but it's like, if you can just define with your partner, why this partnership is valuable. It's, it, it goes a long way and it helps the sales team. And then immediately after that, it, we go into sales enablement and align an alignment there. And so, you know, we work as early as possible in a partnership. I would just encourage everybody, you know, as you're getting the contract done, maybe immediately after, you know, we ask who we have a, a whole table and we'll say, you know, press releases, sales alignment and pipeline calls, everything that goes into this partnership. And we'll ask for who's the contact, who, who's owning this on your side. Here's who's owning it on our side. Here's who we need. And then we, you know, who do we need to escalate things to? So I think it's just really, it sounds simple, um, but I, you know, it, it often doesn't happen. I hadn't done it prior. And I think it's a newer kind of initiative here, but setting up the stage for a mutually beneficial relationship early on and just defining what, it, what the relationship is going to look like and who kind of owns what is, has been very successful. I think that's the best way to, to kind of tactically get these partnerships moving. That's not, not along the lines of incentives really, but you do kind of talk through that with business outcomes and success metrics. You know, if they say this is not going to be a successful partnership to us, unless we sell it, you know, unless we get 10 customers in the first year, like it's good to know. And, and you can both help drive that, you know, on, on each other's side. Yeah, no, that's great. I think, um, holding people accountable, right? I think, and, and, and holding yourself accountable because I know we all get really busy and it's totally. when you have a lot of different partners that you're managing and having all those different players involved, it's, it's, it's as you said, it sounds simple, but it really isn't. It takes a lot of totally. to stay on top of it all. So I, I wanted to actually to talk a little bit about sale on the line because I think that's sometimes the most difficult it is, yeah. Piece of this, because <laughs> um, you know, of course, right? Salespeople have quotas to hit, and those are always very aggressive. Um, they're working with all sorts of different clients, um, and you know, you, no matter how much sales enablement you can do in terms of education, they're never going to be the expert on the partner, right? And right. so, how do you pro- how do you think about properly incentivizing salespeople to be always thinking partner first? And do you have any tricks of the trade? I, I imagine you also have to be very careful because you want to make sure that you know. There's not higher incentives for one partner over another, right? And right? <laughs> staying agnostic as possible. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's difficult. I don't think I have a, I don't, I don't know if anybody has a perfect answer to that one. I think everybody, you know, like you mentioned, it is challenging and I think it depends on the type of relationship, right? So, um, you know, if you're in a referral partnership with somebody and you're not integrated to their solution, 
it's, it's going to be tough. Like I, I you know, I've, I've done those for years and I feel like, you know, that's just kind of in my mind, like a passive, I'll be thrilled if I get something that gets thrown over the fence, but you know, that might be a partnership you just needed for the name. Uh, you know, it, it's not necessarily operational, but um, with some of the resellers, you know, specifically, I think, you know, I've seen it, get, it's very easy to align with some of the smaller companies, you know, the smaller companies that you're working with, and you know, the CEO probably, and you might know the salespeople, you know, by name and work with them. And it's easy to collaborate. Um, the larger companies, it's very difficult. And, you know, um, it, it's very difficult to one, get in contact with the the sales teams Two, They've got so many other things to sell. You're one of, you know, a lot. Yeah. And it's, it's difficult. That's always going to be a challenge. And so there's really, you know, I'd say the only thing that if I had to say what works well, you know, we, we've, we're very proactive. I try to be very proactive with our partners on, you know, essentially it's just like a sale, right? So like salespeople will understand, I think, you know, you need to first start from their perspective. Like what, what will make them successful? What, you know, will make them money? What, you know, understanding what your product in this partnership does for them is hugely important. If they don't get any commissions off selling partner, you know, capabilities, then like you, you've got a huge uphill battle. And that might be a conversation you need to talk about with the other company, but understanding what's in it for them and kind of working backwards. And so try to be very proactive with um, education about, you know, anytime they'll ever let us do anything, you know, to educate their sales team. We're always asking for that. And then two, like, we put together a lot of material, you know, co-branded material, We, you know, and that depends on the size of the company, right? Like we have the resources to do it. And so we can proactively do that. I didn't have those resources in the last job and it, and it's difficult. So I understand that that's, that's not everybody's situation, but as, as much as you can take off their plate and just think about their life of selling a, a selling a product in this partnership that they are not an expert on, like you mentioned, they're probably going to have a, a million questions and maybe they can answer the first line, you know, but they can't answer a second question. If it just being kind of ahead of them one step and saying, Hey, look, here's a kind of like we do with our sales team. Here's a cheat sheet about the, the partnership, about the integration, how it works. You know, here's reasons why it would be beneficial for this type of customer, you know? So we put together a lot of collateral like that just for their internal sales teams, uh, to align with a manager or some, somebody that's an exec there to, to get those out as much as we can. And then, yeah, giving them, you know, resource content and material, you know, again, it, it is still a huge variable because you don't know if they're going to take it and use it. And there, there's a lot at risk in partnerships, but that's, you know, the best that, you know, I've seen is just as proactive as you can be about understanding what's in it for them and how to help them achieve it. Yeah. The name of the game. Right. And I think yeah. that some partners are always going to be better than others. And I think that, um, you know, it's not, it's not a perfect science, but that's good. It's good advice because I think that, you know, you just got to be on top of it too, right? I think that's at the yeah. end. <laughs> got to make sure that like whatever's in your head, you can't assume that they know what you're thinking, right? So constant totally. communication. So one of the things to keep in mind, I think it sounds so simple, but we often, you know, forget, and I mentioned this earlier, but like the key to a successful partnership is that it is beneficial for both parties, right? And so, I mean, I remember when I was at Built, like, you know, wanting to partner with all these massive companies. And I thought they'd be crazy if they didn't want to partner. Like we have the best solution and we did, and we do. It's, and, you know, it's amazing what, what the company did and what the technology does. But, you know, one of the CEOs at a, at a major company just said, Hey, like, 
you know, from a volume perspective, this represents like 0.5% of, you know, the, the transactions that are going through my system, like, you know, it's never going to matter to me. Like, it's incredible what you're doing. It's just never going to be, you know, top of my priority list to find a company to partner with in this space. And, you know, I think, I think if you have that conversation with yourself early and with your company and you understand like what, you know, what is most important to the, the partner that you're trying to work with, you know, you might have some success if it's, you're very low down the totem pole, but I think it's really important to try to align yourself with people that, you know, or companies that, you know, it is a big need. Like you, you, you fill a, a hole for them. You, you, uh, you know, provide something that they need. And from there, you know, the more you can do that, the more you can uh, align with what they need, the more engagement you're going to have with the sales team, the more it, it all kind of correlates. Yeah, absolutely. No. And that's, that's another great point. I think, um, I, I know I had a similar route, you know, when you're young and hungry and you're like, okay, oh, totally. <laughs> um, and, why would everybody not partner with us? Exactly. Right. Like, but you, you get checked real fast. Right? Totally. Um, but it's a great lesson because to, to your point at the end of the day, it needs to matter to both sides and there has to be a gap that filling because, and, and actually that, that maybe brings me to, to another point here, which is, um, thinking about the industry going forward. And mm-hmm. right now, if you look at the, the space, you have maybe a handful of folks in each kind of satisfying specific vertical needs, right? You have, you know, MX and sort of the data space and you have some of these payment as a service providers, like the mm-hmm. dwellers of the world and, you know, the moves of the world. And then you have um, card processors, but you see that a lot of these are all partnering with each other and filling each other's gaps. But oftentimes as these companies look to grow, you know, they'll consider like, do we keep going in the partnership route or do we mm-hmm. build our own split scenario? How, how do you, like, where do you, if you were like have a crystal ball and look 10 years from now, do you think there'll be just like a massive M&A game in the sort of as a service space, right? In that infrastructure layer? Do you think that these partnerships will actually just continue to grow and everyone will keep doing what they do better and better and continue to have bigger partnerships? Like, do you have any thoughts on that? I know it's hard to say because it's so early. Yeah, in the game, but <laughs> yeah no, I, I, I think I don't have like a, you know, a black and white answer, but I do, yeah. you know, I think it's interesting. And I know I'm going to keep referring back to just the complexity of partnerships. I don't think people, you know, especially in, in our space, there, there are so many um, aspects to a partnership that, that, you know, feed into that question. So yes, I do think that partnerships will always be around. I think they're going to continue to, do I think M&A is going to increase as well? Yes. You know, I think, I think yes to all scenarios, because, you know, one thing that, you know, people, you, you just have to think about when you're working with a company or when you're going out to get a partner, I think, you know, the larger your company is, you know, it's, it becomes a risk for the company you're partnering with to rely on you, like, you know, 60% of my revenue comes from a partner's services and not my own. That becomes a risk, right? Because yeah. then it, you know, if something were to happen to that company, you know, what am I going to do? Where's that 60% of that, my revenue coming from? And, you know, or if that company gets bought by a competitor, you know, then do I need to figure out a new way to get, you know, so, so there's, there's all of these kinds of things you, you want to partner, but you know, sometimes you're, you're going to be limited as to how much you can partner because of all of those concerns. I think when you're smaller, sometimes it's a bit easier, but it's just, it's complex. The ecosystem I think is changing, but not going to change like every, it's always going to be a build or buy, I mean, build or partner, 
conversation. I think the larger you get it, the more, you know, revenue that you think that that product or service can bring to the table, you're probably more likely to, to build internal than you are to partner. But uh, that's just my thesis. I do think there has been an increase. I, I, I won't say the specific company name, but there are a few that I'm thinking of that really started out, you know, with, with anti-partner philosophy, you know, like we're, we're going to build everything ourselves. Um, and I think what everybody realizes, you know, in a, in a five-year span, that's completely shifted. Um, because you just, you know, similar to what you talked about with the sales teams, you know, can't know everything about everybody. You can't be the best at everything for everybody. And so part, you know, there always exist. There's just complexities with the relationships, you know, that, that go beyond just like, you know, A plus B equals C. Yeah. I don't know what that is. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more with that because it's, it's that sort of like mile wide inch deep versus mile deep. (laughs) Um, And I think that when you start to collect the best of breed across different partners, it really, in the, the day, it's what matters most to the client, right? They're able to provide a superior product when um, they're working with folks that are the best of each of their areas mm-hmm. and then getting those partnerships to be as seamless as possible. So they feel like they're actually dealing with one organization okay. if it is like four or five. Okay. Uh, but yeah, it'll, be, it'll keep us on our toes over the next couple of years because you're right. Like, who knows um, what, what M&A is going to happen? Keeping, keeping an eye on competitors, like you said, like the acquisition you know, one of your biggest partners by competitors, like yeah. probably gonna keep so many CEOs up at night. But oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, I, I, yeah, I think it will be interesting to see what happens. I think there will always be, you know, mergers and acquisitions, and there will always be partnerships. I mean, we, you just, especially this space, like you know, I think the, I think the earlier you understand your partner philosophy, and the the quicker you realize that you know. We, we need each other to work and, you know, we, we need each other to serve our clients better. And, you know, we, the better we can work together, the better we'll all be. And so I think, you know, I think they will always be around. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. These have been some great insights. Anything else that you'd love to share with the audience before we, we wrap up or? Oh man, I don't know if I have any, you know, I hope this is helpful to some extent. I think my main, you know, thesis, I would say on partnerships is that like, you know, I think, well, no, I don't have anything else to add. I think it's, I think it's that, you know, it's complex. I think it is always changing. It's always complex. You're always going to have to iterate on your strategy. And I think just knowing that is, you know, something, you know, if I could tell the, you know, younger version of me that got into partnerships, you know, if I could have learned that maybe in this first three weeks, just understand that like things are going to change and you need to iterate on your philosophy and your strategy you know, to continue, they're hugely important. And so that's my only advice. Yeah, that's great. And that's, I think that's, um, that's the end game, right? Is that a, you have to have that long-term view partnerships is not a one and done type of thing. And you have to, you have to think about how, how you can be beneficial to both sides and making sure that it's not just, you know, you're not just selling a product, a widget, as you said. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that, that's been awesome. Well, thank you, Kara, for your time today. It's been just amazingly insightful. I don't think enough people really are talking about the complexities of partnerships in the space and what to think about when you're getting into it, whether you're a large company um, or a smaller company. But I know that MX has been one of the, I, I would say the shining stars in, in, in folks emulating partner programs. So we, I know we're all very excited to hear about what you're doing. And uh, all I can say is thanks, thanks again and, and look forward to following the journey that you have. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. I'm, you know, thrilled to to be at MX and all the, you know, all the props go to the team that, you know, was there before me that set up this, this great, you know, great team. So happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. 
Absolutely. Thank you. Currency Cloud is an online payments company that makes international money transfers fast and simple for businesses. We're building a borderless future where international transactions are seamless for a better user experience. Discover the world's most trusted payment platform and our toolkit of developer-friendly APIs at currencycloud.com. You've been listening to the Payments Innovation Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe now in iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Until next time.